0: So this is the first time I've ever seen this movie was for this podcast. Oh, my God. Well, I'm glad you watch it for research yeah. purposes. But oh. it was interesting seeing it in context because I, like, I know lines and scenes and stuff like that. You know, I knew the story. Mm. Um, I mean, like, obviously I know the st- I know what happens. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I wasn't like, oh, an iceberg of oh <laughs> this God. movie took a turn. So cool. But I was, um, I was really snarky watching this movie because I, I get that way when I watch sad movies.
1: Well, it's also just, like, ridiculous.
0: I mean, it's like... yeah.
1: The event itself is like so depressing, but like the movie is ridiculous. It's silly, yeah. But
0: over so... the time. in a great in a great very enjoyable way. I really liked this movie. The most frustrating thing about this research was finding how many things yes. went wrong. Um, or like, yeah,
1: there there are a lot of factors that contributed right. to the events. Right, exactly. Um, that we're about to discuss. <laughs> right.
0: Um. So let's get into it.
1: Is it history? Is it fiction? Is it somewhere in between?
0: What's the real story behind the movie you think you know? This is real fiction. So there are a couple of different themes in this movie. Um, let's uh, let's start off with the lightest um, and talk about some class struggle. Ah, uh, the lightest, the classism of this movie. So the classism is. I mean. Maybe one of the more overt or most overt Absolutely. Um, themes of the movie. You do get around for, per- well, a, a, a person of limited Go means. a
1: oh, poor guy, you can say it.
0: One of the ways this manifests itself in the movie is uh, between Rose and Jack. Um, mainly because Jack is a third-class passenger, he's a stowaway really, and Rose is a first-class passenger, and that contributes to the forbidden love nature of their relationship and how they're meant to be kept apart but still find a way to each other. Oh, forget it, Boyle. You just like how the angels fly out of your arses, get next to the likes of her. The other way this manifests in the movie is with the separation of classes and perhaps most famously that the third-class passengers were kept from boarding the lifeboats before the first-class passengers. And we're going to get to that in a bit. But first, I have some fun behind-the-scenes tidbits about the class struggle in this movie and uh, how it was perceived by certain people. So when the movie came out, the president of China at the time um, hailed this film as a parable of class warfare in which, quote, the third-class passengers, the proletariat, struggle valiantly against the ship's crew, craven capitalist lapdogs and stooges," unquote. And he urged his fellow Marxists to see the film and to study its accurate if depressing depiction of money and class and capitalist struggle. That's
1: kind of not the most encouraging comparison considering like most of the third class passengers died. So I I guess it's like valiant because they died a valiant struggle on that on lifeboats but
0: yeah, or if if you live in a capitalist society, this is what will happen to you. Um, you won't get on a lifeboat. I get yeah. And uh, Cameron joked about this too. Um, at some point in, during production, he joked, um, "Quote: We're holding just short of Marxist dogma." Unquote. Cool. <laughs> yeah, which like I yeah I mean the Titanic the Titanic it works as such a metaphor for things that you can you can see why it resonated with a lot of audiences. Um. So a great work, Comrade Cameron. <laughs> anyway, putting all this aside, um, let's look at how the class differences actually manifested on the ship and how this is reflected in the film. So the first class cabin, it was like a five-star hotel. It was like a, um, a floating resort, really. Um, many people would take these full entourages of maids, valets, their chefs, their chauffeurs, um, who would sometimes ride in second class, Um, which is not unlike what we see in the movie. Like, we see Rose with her, her maid, and we see them with all the cooks around them. The first class suites, they had, um, full beds, telephones, they had panoramic windows. It was, I mean, it was lavish and beautiful, like we see in the film. Um, and interestingly, first class accommodation was filled up only to 46%. Hmm.
1: Um,
0: and this is important because it shows how much of an overcapacity there was in the Atlantic steamship business. So, you, I mean, obviously you can see the priority when constructing the Titanic um, was to build it bigger and bigger and faster and faster, and these ships were constantly trying to just, like, outdo each other. Obviously, safety was not a concern.
1: I don't see what all the bus is about. It doesn't look any bigger than the Mauritania.
0: You can be blasé about some things, Rose, but not about Titanic. It's over 100 feet longer than Mauritania. Farmers. so second class second class um, that was about two hundred seventy one passengers on board that's forty percent capacity another sign of the excess and the competition between the ocean liners
1: we, we don't see a lot of second class in the film do we
0: no um well because of Jack and Rose we're focusing a lot on like the third class and then first that's class. true so it's either the extreme low or the extreme high interestingly um there was a bigger uh, separation between second and third class and there was between first and second class so like there were physically there were actually signs on the Titanic at the doors connecting the second and third class decks that were prohibiting people from moving between their classes and there were some gates that were installed and potentially locked during the sinking there were sort of conflicting accounts about which and this is reflected in the movie open the gate go back down the main stairwell. open the gate right now go back down the main stairwell like I told you god damn it so in the movie, there is that scene... Jack and Rose are trying to escape um, and get to the deck. And there is that gate that's locking that's blocking their way, and someone...
1: They're trying to escape, and the, the gate is locked, and they catch someone with a key, like a crew member. Right, they do. I mean, to be high honest, when I was yeah. watching
0: this, I like sort of skipped through the scene, because it was like, I know you get out. I know you get out. It's fine. I don't really need to see this. I'm very stressed Yeah, right and next. you're just like, I don't need the stress in my life. <laughs> I want to watch this. But yes, the... There were actually gates, um, as I'm setting that as that is. There were gates, um, and some of them uh, were locked yeah. during the sinking. Um, so getting to third class, uh, that had a total of 712 passengers, making 70% capacity, which in comparison is obviously a lot higher. Um, it shows you the kind of people that are also needing to take steamships in general. Um, right. It's mostly third class. Generally, uh, the third class standards were relatively good um, compared to other liners at the time. There were also a number of public gathering spaces, or, like, public saloons and stuff, which is sort of what we see in the movie with uh, the dance scene with Jack and Rose. I don't know the steps. neither do I. Just go with it. <laughs> don't Yeah. Leave. The nice, fun fresh dance scene. Right, scene. right, exactly. Um, scene? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There were a lot of, uh, like, saloons and party spaces like that. Um, and one thing I liked about this was that uh there were also a number of these passengers who like this was their first time they had a week of like uninterrupted holiday for i mean because they were farmers blacksmiths miners things like that so like i think that just contributed to the overall festive mood is that like this was one big party and the only time they really had a proper which holiday which makes the
1: end so much sadder yeah
0: um so many of these third class passengers were economic migrants that were trying to find prosperity in the new world a lot of them were also political and religious refugees There were a number of Armenians on the ship uh, seeking refuge from the Turkish government. Um, There were also a lot of Lebanese passengers. Lebanese were actually the fourth most populous group on the ship. Um, Oh, wow. And we see this reflected very quickly in, like, a blink-and-you'll-miss-it scene. It's during the chaos when Jack and Rose are, like, running through a hallway, and you see all the families running around. There's, like, this one Middle Eastern family that's in the foreground uh, trying to read the signs. They have, like, a dictionary out trying to read the signs and figure out where they're going. Um, and I believe that this was a nod to uh, the wider yeah. like demographic mix on the ship and how there were such a big population here. But otherwise, I, as far as I can remember, I don't think there are a lot of other. I think like pretty much everyone else we see on the ship. It's like in the all movie white is people, white. like Americans
1: and Europeans. Um. So speaking of white people, I guess all the major characters are white. <laughs> Transition. <laughs> um, nice, nicely done. But um, yeah. So we obviously have the captain captain edward smith he had been a well-respected white star captain uh, white star is the liner um which titanic falls under um and since 1888 he had captained 17 totaled ship and sailed one estimate i saw, saw said two million miles with white star so he was very experienced um There was a story that was popular in newspapers um, at the time of the sinking that that this was supposed to be his last post before retiring. Um, It's a nice story. It's not really confirmed. um, But he did have a reputation as a safe captain
0: who didn't get into Major wrecks.
1: Yeah, one quick thing on um, that.
0: um, Like, I like how some... Sources that we were reading talk about or even criticize at points how lionized he was. Yeah. Um, in, like, the press and media afterward. Um, but I actually was really impressed with his portrayal in yeah. the movie because I thought that, like, it was very simple to either make him... this was really bumbling, like, buffoon of a captain or yeah. someone who was very sympathetic and they yeah, absolutely gave some nuance. You, like,
1: you... Yeah. Um, the designer of the Titanic was another major character in the film. Um, that was Thomas Andrews, played by Victor Garber, one of my favorites. Oh, yeah. Um,
0: yeah, I was like, I didn't know you were in yeah, this movie. Yeah, no, it was,
1: it's a nice surprise, right? <laughs> <laughs> so he, as is portrayed in the film, he was on the ship, and he did go with the captain to do um, to inspect the initial damage. And he also did give the pretty um, depressing estimate for how long the ship would have before it sunk.
0: An hour. Two at most. And how many aboard, Mr. Murdoch? 2,200 souls on board, sir. So.
1: One of the more negatively portrayed characters was Bruce Ismay, who I had to rewatch the film to actually remember who he was in the movie. Um, so <laughs> yeah, he... I only
0: remembered him as like the, the one guy in the room that's like, but this ship can't yes. sink.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> My it, favorite is you. that
1: after he says that, um, Andrew's responds to him, but this ship can't sink. She's made of iron, sir. I assure you, she can.
0: And she will. It is a mathematical certainty.
1: Ismay um, was the head of White Star, and, and in the film, one of the most significant scenes besides that scene is um, early on when he's urging the captain to up the engine power so they can get into New York faster in order to make headlines. So
0: you've not yet lit the last four boilers? No, I don't see the need. We are making excellent time. The press knows the size of Titanic. Now I want them to marvel at her speed. This maiden voyage of Titanic must make headlines.
1: Later in the film, a comment is made that...
0: I believe you may get your headlines, Mr. Ismay.
1: Um, We also see him getting on a lifeboat near the end of the film and turning away from the um, sinking ship. Ismay was targeted as a chief scapegoat for the sinking of the Titanic, partially because he owned White Star, but he also... People criticized his decision to get um, off the ship on a lifeboat boat. His story was that he had looked around and didn't see anyone so he got on but the fact that hmm. um, over We're a thousand people on. died makes that yeah. somewhat unlikely. Um, there are stories that he got on the first lifeboat which no, is obviously not, not great <laughs> if there are other people who need to get off too. Um, and then as is shown in the film, people did suspect him of encouraging Captain Smith to go faster which is one of the factors that made the, the crash as devastating as it was. He probably doesn't deserve entirely this. Well, it's it's
0: definitely easy blame, to attack him for but, it. Because, um, like, not only was he this, yeah, but it's this easy stuff, to but, attack like, he survived. Um,
1: yeah, but, and that, that, that's a major reason, I think, is because he's, like, one of the only, like, man- not managerial, but, like, authorities right. who had some control over the ship, who actually survived it. Um, I think it made him a much bigger target than if, like, the captain had survived or the architect had mm-hmm. survived. You know, so... Margaret Brown was, is a well-liked character. Um, <laughs>
0: she's the nice, rich person. She's the <laughs>
1: nice, the nice rich person who dresses Jack and her sons, or nephews, I think it's sons. Um, like. like, Sue, when he's going to dinner with Rose and her family, mm-hmm. and in the first class. Well, you're about to go into the snake pit. What are you planning to wear? I figured. Come on. She was a from a working class background. And she married um, a man who was also not rich when they wed, but he became a mining engineer and he created a way to dig deeper mines, which led to finding more gold. So they became millionaires. So she was part of this new money, which kind of informs um, how she's treated by the other first class passengers, um, especially the women. Um, And she is the historical Margaret Brown is remembered in part for being one of the people on a lifeboat to urge the boat to turn around and pick up survivors, which is shown in the film. And she may also have encouraged women to join in the rowing, um, to get the ships moving fast, to get the lifeboats moving faster, and that's also shown in the film.
0: Come on, girls, grab an oar, let's go. Are you out of your mind? We're in the middle of the North Atlantic. Now, do you people want to live or do you want to die? I don't understand
1: a one of you. What's the matter with you? It's your men out there. I don't really have much more to say than other that there are people. <laughs> rich people and like, ri- like names that you would recognize
0: and apparently that's how Danton Abbey gets started also is yeah. it? yeah I think because like one of the relatives sinks on the Titanic and so then all their fortune goes to the cousin and that's how that gets started
1: no I I've, I didn't I haven't watched Danton Abbey in years so I forgot about that yeah but... interesting that is so crazy it's weird
0: to think that those are happening at the same time that's supposed to be the
1: same period yeah, yeah. yeah. good use of well I guess not good use <laughs> reasonable <laughs> use of <It's> historical <laughs> events to drive a plot um so the last set of characters who appear in the film who were definitely on the ship were the musicians so one of the most famous stories the string quartet quintet um playing music as the ship is sinking and this is one of those um elements of the titanic mythology that it's hard to confirm any details on what is often repeated is that there was an actual Titanic band who played cheerful music to calm people as the ship sank. It's unclear who exactly was in the band that night because there were two sets of musicians on right. the ship. I, I, um, I mean,
0: it was not disputed that the band was playing while the ship was sinking. It's just not clear yeah, I, who exactly was in it.
1: Yes, basically, yeah, it seems like, I guess, bef- like when people were still getting off and who may, who did survive, the musicians had started playing. So that seems... Um, confirmed by numerous survivors um it's just any details beyond that are unclear who was playing what they were playing how long they played some accounts have them playing Mm -hmm. basically as the ship sunk and some accounts have them putting their instruments down like half an hour before yeah the musicians were there it's just beyond that can't really give any or at least on the song um, absolutely like what was the
0: there were a couple songs that were that were rumored to have been played but there was specifically
1: yeah it's the the, the last it's the song that he he's the 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 band leader is playing and then the others come back to join him after they've already left nearer my god to thee the song that they're playing in the film and that is one of the like rumored songs that the musicians played was nearer my god to thee
0: been a privilege playing with you tonight um they have this like mytho- mythologized um air to them it's it they have I I mean, so. they have their own book which we discovered yeah. while we were researching <laughs> their yes, own book <laughs> about like the personal lives and histories of the band members
1: okay so are we ready to transition to the the bulk of
0: this the main event
1: yes The sinking of the Titanic. This is like what the whole film is about, and also like two hours of the movie is dedicated to this. That
0: that was Um. one thing I did not know about going into this movie. Like I I knew it was a long movie. Um, When you spend like an hour or so like setting it up, and then there were two hours of the sinking, which I did not expect. And most of it is just them. Yeah. Running around through the halls and like getting into different obstacles. But yeah, it's just and not the same that paint. much happens, right? I mean, obviously, or like a lot's happening, but it's like People it's, are dying and it's very like story bad, progression like, wise, it's just like a very slow burn. I mean, we're gonna get into this, but in terms of what the film paints as the biggest factor, would you say it's miscommunication or like?
1: I think it's mentioned that they've received warnings, and you see the captain receive one warning of from another ship that there are icebergs in the area.
0: Another ice warning. This one's from the northern. Thank you, Sparks. Oh, not to worry. Quite normal for this time of year. In fact, we're speeding up. I've just ordered the last boilers lit.
1: It seems like, honestly, I mean, the speed is one thing. Also, the lookouts don't see the iceberg until, like, a second before they hit in the film. Um, Which, obviously, is. I mean, in the film, they're distracted by... Rhodes and Jack making out on the deck below. So, like, I don't think that was, like, a major factor <laughs> in why the Titanic sunk. Look at that, would ya? And a bit woman a wheel. <laughs> Fuck
0: me! Like, seriously, I, I forgot about that, honestly. Yeah, I forgot about it,
1: too, until I rewatched it. Yeah, but... There were there were a number of factors that contributed. It was kind of like the perfect storm and I mean, the Titanic there was human error, but there was there were also like natural factors that made it particularly dangerous. So this is it's really like when you're reading through all this, you're like Wow, just like all of these things had to happen. The conditions um, were just not very conducive to seeing icebergs. Um, it was a clear night and it was cold, but it was very dark. There wasn't very much moonlight. So there wasn't as much light reflecting off of icebergs as there would have been if there was more moonlight. Um, there was also not very much wind. So the sea wasn't breaking as much as it would have. And when the sea breaks, you can see it break across against the icebergs. So that's another way that, like, lookouts would have been able to see it. And this is actually referenced in the film. One of the crew um, mentions that because it's not windy, it's harder to see icebergs.
0: Um, because the sea is so calm. Right. And I have a um, quick behind-the-scenes thing on yeah. that. Um, like, lighting this movie was also pretty complicated. Or just figuring out a way to make it look real. Really? Um, because they needed it to be light so the audience could see what's going on. That makes sense. Um, but because there's no moonlight, it's like, well, then yeah. you can't see anything. So you sort of have to, like, add ba- add moonlight back in.
1: So yeah, so that's a good thing to bring up because obviously in the film you're like, why can't they see it? Just right, right in exactly. Front of them.
0: But it's like it frustrating.
1: <laughs> it was there were a lot of icebergs in this area and the part of the ocean they were in, um, and the Titanic actually did receive a bunch of warnings from other ships who were taking similar routes. The captain at some point did change the course of the ship, and it was possibly to avoid ice, but he didn't reduce the speed of the ship. Um. And it kind of begs the question, why was there this lack of concern, even though they should have been getting these messages? And the answer is that the messages weren't fully communicated. Some of them were sent to officers on the ship, but they weren't read closely. And then um, one story, i this is kind of hard to confirm because for obvious reasons, but um, the message from the Masaba, which warned that the Titanic was going to be in a very dangerous ice zone, was kind of discarded as like not that important was stuck under a paperweight and they forgot about it oh for god's sake so like if you think about it like if they had yeah i know if they had like passed these messages on maybe
0: there would have been more urgency earlier um one thing i wish the sources went a little more into is just sort of like explaining why yeah. such messages would be yeah. ignored or just like not taken seriously were they just not writing it down i carefully? mean also
1: if you think you're on an unsinkable ship even if there are icebergs maybe you're just like that's true
0: We'll, we'll figure, it. We'll, we'll dodge it. We'll
1: be fine, it. yeah. Yeah, we we'll... um, And then we get into the actual crash. At 1140, uh, around 1140 p.m., uh, one of the lookouts on the Titanic saw the iceberg right ahead and rang the warning bell. But that was less than a minute until impact, so there's really not that much you can do in a minute. Um. So as is shown in the movie, everything that happened next happened very, very quickly. An officer ordered the ship to turn sharply left and reverse engines, which is kind of like putting a brake on the ship. Um, So the Titanic did avoid a head-on crash but scraped the iceberg on the side as it turned Um, and that severely damaged the ship's hull. So according to one historian uh, named Richard Davenport Davenport Hines, hitting the iceberg directly would have been better than grazing the side because the Titanic would have been able to survive um, a head-on crash and could have just floated into port with a crumpled front
0: instead of damaging the hull. Again, we can't test this and And Um, part of its construction or part of the unsinkable nature of the Titanic is that it has all these different floodgates so that if one section gets hit and flooded, the rest of them, it automatically shuts off so that the rest of them don't get flooded. Um, And it's like almost designed basically to To be be hit head on. Right, exactly. It's designed to be like hit in one or two of these sections and have it cut off. But the fact that it's sliced all the way across the side means that there's nothing the gates can do, like if all of them are getting flooded.
1: Again, it's hard, like, this is theory because right this can't be tested, which is good that this doesn't have to be tested. So as is shown in the film, some passengers felt the impact immediately, but there were also many who didn't realize anything had happened. Just after the impact, um, the captain and the designer, um, Captain Smith and Thomas Andrews, um, go down to inspect the damage, and they could immediately tell that the ship was doomed to sink. So the first distress call was sent out around 12.15 a.m. on April 15th. The closest ship, I think, was the Californian, which had earlier sent a message warning about the ice. But at this point, the ship had the Californian had turned off its radios, so it didn't receive the distress call, which is also so frustrating because you're like, why do you have your oh radios God. off? Why? <laughs> why? That's important. But, um, <laughs> you need those on. But um, another kind of frustrating element of this is that the captain of that ship didn't respond to seeing distress rockets launch. But one possible explanation for that is that he misinterpreted their meaning. So um, I guess sometimes ships um, of one company, okay, what? like what, what else could know, that so mean? Well, apparently ships of, like, one company would, like, sometimes send rockets to communicate with each other, and so that's what, or that could have been what he thought was happening, but regardless, he didn't respond, um, which you're just like, ah, um, so (laughs) the ship that did respond was the Carpathia, um, and this is referenced in the film, and, uh, it received the distress call around 1230 a.m. and immediately changed direction to head over, so... Um, but um, as is mentioned in the film, the the Carpathian knew it would take four hours to get to the Titanic and the Titanic didn't have that much time. So they have that information that the Carpathia is coming, but they know it's gonna be too late, so like what do you do with that? <laughs> but um so the captain returns from the inspection and he knows how dire the situation is and so he orders the lifeboats prepared. I saw some assessments that he didn't do this with enough urgency and that would possibly have been to avoid panicking the passengers. And we kind of see this transplanted to Andrews when he's talking to Rose, um, when Rose finds out that the ship is doomed.
0: certain? Yes. In an hour or so. All this will be at the bottom of the Atlantic. Please, tell only who you must. I don't want to be responsible for a panic and get to a boat quickly.
1: Not just justifiable, but like, it kind of makes sense why you wouldn't want to cause a panic when you're trying to deal with stuff, but I don't know. He should have told everyone that they needed to get off the ship. But also, there was the fact that there weren't enough lifeboats. And that's, like,
0: the saddest.
1: Thing. Possibly, like, the most infuriating <laughs> part of the disaster. And it's highlighted in the film. Rose yes, notices early on, and that is
0: completely accurate. I did this sum in my head. And with the number of lifeboats times the capacity you mentioned... Forgive me, but it seems that there are not enough for everyone aboard. About half, actually. Rose, you miss nothing, do you?
1: I will say, I guess there wouldn't have been a debate about whether Jack and Rhodes could have both fit yep. on the on the, the door if they had both had season on a lifeboat. And that's kind of the main um, <laughs> legacy like, of the film. <laughs> like no, I
0: think <laughs> you that that also the person who noted that if <laughs> oh. Rose had just gotten on the lifeboat in that scene where she jumps off. If she had just stayed, they would have Jack would have had the door to himself. Oh, yeah.
1: And. This is... Uh,
0: <laughs> so mad. I could
1: go on for hours. If she had just stayed <laughs> on her stupid lifeboat and not gotten off because of true love or whatever, <laughs> they both could have lived. But yeah. So the Titanic could, had a capacity for carrying over 3,500 passengers and crew. Um, but the lifeboat only had... But the ship only had 20 lifeboats. And this only provided spots for, um, about eleven eighty people, on the Titanic. That on the that night there were twenty two hundred passengers. So you can see that there were a lot of people who would not have been able to get on boats. Um, That's this was almost after,
0: exactly half, right? Eleven eighty capacity yeah. and twenty two hundred on board.
1: So it's like almost exactly half, yeah. um, which is referenced in the film. Yes. Um, and you're just like, what? <laughs> um, so. This was actually similar to other like comparably big ships at the time. So on some other ships like there were 2000 people which wouldn't have who wouldn't have had lifeboats on another ship there was like 3000 people and you're just like there's an issue here. What's going
0: on here? Um, it wasn't even the Titanic wasn't weird. No, it I wasn't. Yeah, that's like well within the legal limit the legal rep- requirements, sorry. Um, yeah,
1: well there was a legal requirement, but it was something ridiculous like a thousand right. people. Re- like regardless of Yeah, so it, and I think that it was like 16 the legal requirement was 16 lifeboats. So Titanic was actually doing more than it had to do, but um still it's ridiculous. Um so Andrews the designer's original design for the Titanic had 48 lifeboats, but this count was cut down to 20 in the final design and one of the re- one possible reason is that from the perspective of the ship owners there was a fear that um if you had enough lifeboats for all the passengers it would take up space on the ship so there wouldn't be as much space in the public rooms or the decks um or the cabins for people
0: i think what's going to happen with a lot of the movies that we're covering there's always this line that's like very out there and ridiculous that i don't think is like i can't imagine is real or based on anything in history there's always that line like that and then with this movie In fact, I put in these new type davits, which can take an extra row of bolts inside this one, but it was thought by some that the deck would look too cluttered, (laughs) so I was overruled. A waste of deck space as it is in an unsinkable ship. And I was like, that is so absurd. It's like so on the nose that it felt really silly. Like, it felt like, okay, we get it. Like, foreshadowing, blah, 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 hubris, and... That's yeah. what's so shocking to me is that that was actually based on something. That yeah. silly line is based on a Yeah, it's literally like
1: they took the if you're boats gonna, away. like there's only so much you can like challenge like fate or whatever. Right. You name your ship Titanic, you call it unsinkable <laughs> and then you don't put enough lifeboats on like These people. Also, this is this is something that I'm just like but I saw this in multiple sources that there was supposed to be a lifeboat drill that day. But it was canceled because of a robust breeze. Jesus. And you're just like like if like that why, is true. I mean,
0: what's the point of having like emergency drills if like and cancelling them if there's a robust yes. breeze? Like as if you actually gonna use them when the weather is clear and perfect. It's gonna be like Right, weather. exactly. Yeah. What, what's wrong with you people?
1: So actually
0: when the officers
1: first started loading the lifeboats, everything um, seemed relatively calm. Many of the first class passengers were just like, Oh, look at this. Look what's <laughs> happening. They had taken so many trips, um, like so many, like, cross-Atlantic trips or, like, long trips on ships before that this was just, like, a novel event, um, getting onto the lifeboats and everything. Wow, how thrilling. Yeah, and they, like, assumed that they would get to New York eventually. It would just be, like, a slightly delayed arrival. Okay, so start with the fact that there aren't, like, there's, like, lifeboats for maybe, like, half of the people on the ship. You also have lifeboats being sent away only half full. People didn't really trust the lifeboats, and they also didn't think the ship would, the, like the passengers didn't think the ship was going to sink, so they thought the ship was going to be much safer than the lifeboats, especially because you're looking at them and you're like, oh, that's going to break or whatever. Yeah, why would you get um, into
0: like the flimsy thing in the freezing dark, pitch black, yeah, water, yeah.
1: And they've never done this before. And then there was also an incident on another like major ship, um, fairly recently before where nine people had drowned because their lifeboat had capsized so they, i think that was all, that also could have been in people's memories and then you have the crew who were worried that the like, too many people on the lifeboat would cause it to buckle
0: well maybe so, if you had, though they had been, it with the breezy wind yeah and
1: yeah, right. um so yeah i saw one estimate that said that um, 400 more people could have been saved if the lifeboats had actually been filled so uh, a bunch of, like many crew members just didn't know what to do Um, and the officers loading, like, in charge of loading, the lifeboats had received orders to start by loading women and children, and one officer took this to mean women and children first, and then they would load the men after, and then one officer took this to mean women and children only. So if you were a man, or, like, even, like, a boy, like a child... Like, if you, like, your survival depended in part on, like, which side of the ship you came on, because, like, they were on opposite sides loading people. Right. Like, um, there's
0: one officer on one side of the boat that's loading women and children, and then the men, and then one officer on the other side of the boat that's right, loading yes, exactly. no men at all. So yeah. it's like,
1: so if you didn't know that...
0: And you might just go to the side, wrong side.
1: You might just go to the wrong side, yeah. Um, and, like,
0: and so her fiancé gets on well, a boat, and, like, no, no one notices? So what
1: happens is he... He actually complains about this because he's on this initially on the side where only women and children are being loaded and he complains to like his butler like his evil butler dude. I don't know what <laughs> the guy is. You know what I'm talking about though, right?
0: Yeah, his, the, like, like, that, like, guy who has a gun yeah. for some reason. Yes.
1: Yeah, um yeah. <laughs> and he's like this side the they're only loading women and children. And then his like evil butler is like if you go to the other side, you might be able to get on because Um, of these like different instructions so he goes to the other side and initially he can't get on and then he grabs a random child
0: and this is just like
1: emphasizing how like immoral this man is (laughs) he grabs a random child and he's like please let me on this ship i'm all she has um so like about an hour and a half after the collision um there's more disorder as people are realizing what's happening and the second and third-class passengers start to realize there weren't enough lifeboats because, as is shown in the film, the first-class passengers are loaded first.
0: What do we doing, Mommy? We're just waiting,
1: dear. When they finish putting the first-class people in the boat, they'll be starting with us, and we we'll want to be already, won't we? So, your chance of survival depends partly on your gender and your age, but then also partly on your class. Mm-hmm. So the second and third class passengers realized there aren't going to be enough lifeboats and like most of them probably aren't going to get off and then the boat was also tilting more so you have like that sense of urgency and then we see in the film that like because there's so much disorder um there are some men like trying to get onto the boats as they realize like we need to get off of the ship and off like officers actually did shoot their pistols yeah Um, i actually
0: um i have one quick note about that scene um, so there's, like, the one main officer that's loading them into lifeboats, and then he's the one that Yeah, I, I think so, yeah. Um, right, so, like, he shoots up a warning shot. Or yeah, I think he
1: shoots someone.
0: Yeah, yeah, you're right. He, he kills someone. Um, but later we see the, the fiancé try to buy his way onto the lifeboat, and then he yeah. kills himself. The, the um,
1: officer kills himself, not the bad guy. Yeah, yeah, sorry,
0: the officer kills himself. So that officer was based on a real person. Um, there was actually a report that an officer had shot himself while the boats were being loaded. Um, and there was a survivor account that came forward about that. That's what that scene is based on, is that survivor right. account. That one officer's family came forward after the film's release and publicly fought huh. against the film's portrayal of him and said that it was portraying him as... Um, a, a coward? Yeah, exactly. And that he was a coward and that he was responsible for the lifeboats not being filled.
1: Um, yeah, that it was like
0: he was to blame. Right, exactly. Uh, I didn't actually... Uh. I didn't
1: know that that was based on the account. Um So yeah, as I suggested, the class system on the ship did determine in part who actually made it off. So according to Walter Lord, who is the author of the popular A Night to Remember and The Night Lives On, which is probably how a lot of people learn about what happened on the Titanic, um, he gives some numbers for who actually got off. And I just want to say them here just because it's astounding. You had 53% of first and second class passengers who were saved and only 25% of third class. And if to get more deeper into that, you have ninety four percent of first and second class women and children who were saved, and only forty two percent of third class. So the class you were on the ship had a huge impact on whether you made it off. I do want to say though, that contrary to how the film portrays this, the fact that so many first class people did survive does not necessarily mean that they were like buying their way off, which is kind of like what's suggested um, with Hawley at least. So one of the like most. Uh, i'm trying to think of the like it's like like depressingly romantic um stories um ida and isidore strauss who own macy's um were trying to get onto lifeboats and is was told that um as an old man he was allowed to get into a lifeboat but he refused to get in before other men and ida actually did get into a lifeboat but got out of it because she refused to be separated from her husband and like the myth is that she said as we have lived so will we die together and that's just so sad. And it's, like, I, I like think them. there's a there's a reference to them in the film, and I don't believe they're named, but there's a scene where you see this wealthy couple lying in their bed as, like, the water is rising around them. Oh. And they're just, like, hugging each other. And I think that's supposed to be Ida and Isidore Strauss. Oh, that's um, interesting.
0: I really like that interpretation. So we don't have evidence of, like, widespread buying onto the lifeboats, but the crew was definitely prioritized. Yeah, and that. they
1: were definitely intentionally loaded before the third class. Um, So, like, the call for third-class passengers to board didn't happen until almost an hour after the the collision had occurred. As you mentioned before, there were, like, literally gates between the third-class decks and other parts of the ship. Some survivors on the lifeboats did think about turning around to go back and pick up some of those left behind, especially since most of the lifeboats weren't full anyway. But then there was a concern expressed that if they went back, there would be a swarm of people overtaking the lifeboats, and then those currently on the lifeboats would die So most of the lifeboats didn't go back. 12.15 a.m. is when the Titanic band started playing. So finally, we get to the rescue. Carpathia, who I mentioned a long time ago, (laughs) who was four hours away, um, was the one ship to actually respond to the distress call. (laughs) (laughs) Yay. Um, And then from about 4 a.m., they started boarding survivors onto the ship, and they saved. there were about 705 people who made it onto the Carpathia from the Titanic. Which,
0: as I said before, meant 1,500 people died. And as you go through the timeline of events here, you're also going through the timeline of events in the movie. Uh, so, like, how Cameron was very obsessed with getting everything right, because um, in that sense, it is it is very accurate. Uh, which brings me to the production history itself, because Cameron has, like a staggering amount of dedication, I guess, to historical accuracy in this film. And he had his own, like, private library that he kept filled with all his research during production. Um, so before production, Cameron actually took two deep submersibles to the Atlantic floor and brought back footage of the ship, which appears on screen in the movie's present-day time. Oh, when they
1: discover the ruins?
0: Um, yes, exactly. Oh, no, I
1: didn't know that.
0: Um, the footage that you're seeing on screen is, is all from Cameron's actual actual dives. Yeah. Um, Oh, wow. And kind of an interesting fact. uh, In total, he made 12 dives, which he just lasted about 15, 17 hours. Wow. Um, So it turns out that all that time spent down there, he actually spent more time with the Titanic than the passengers did. Oh. I know. But uh, through all of this, he also, he met with other experts. He met with Robert Ballard, who... Uh, led the crew that originally found the Titanic. And uh, he also worked with um, Walter Lord, the historian Walter Lord, both as historical consultants on the Oh, film. Walter
1: Lord consulted on this movie?
0: Yeah, but all this research does really pay off. They're really trying to recreate the Titanic and the feel of the Titanic being on it um, as much yeah. as possible. But obviously this all went way over budget. <laughs> as you um, would expect. <laughs> uh, and there was even, a okay, Variety ran a daily Titanic watch oh my column... God. That was just making fun of how expensive production was and just like listing all the various like issues that were happening on set and catastrophes and so forth because it was like a big bloated movie that everyone thought would fail um so let's get into some of these some of these bits of detail here so one of the big things was the exterior replica of the ship that's what you see in a lot of the wide shots and you see it like especially in the beginning when they're all reaching the dock and getting ready to board the ship um that replica uh, was built over the course of a year with thousands of artists and craftsmen recreating it with precise detail. And they used the original plans from Heartland and Wolf that were thought lost during World War II, but were recovered miraculously and uh, used to recreate this. And it was to scale. Only the uh, starboard side of the hull was completed, which was interesting for a couple of reasons. I mean, partly so they don't have to just recreate the entire ship. But for scenes where they're supposed to be getting on, on the port side, basically anytime you see the port side, it had to be flipped in post-production. Like, the footage itself was flipped. Everything was, like, accurate down to the detail. It was just all backwards. So, like, pictures of the set and production look hilarious and also like a nightmare because all the text is backwards. Like, white star line on their hats is backwards. The doors on the cars... Backwards, like everything had to be built in reverse, um, just for that, just for that scene in the beginning, um, and down to like the bags, oh labels, and everything. I saw um, a tidbit somewhere about how even the clothes had, like, the buttons on the shirt had to be like backwards. on the other side? Yeah, oh exactly. I know it. It's oh Cameron's a bad
1: man. I mean, give him his due. Like, obviously, there were some aspects of this that weren't accurate, but he did his research.
0: The furnishing details inside. Those are actually based off of Titanic's sister ship, the Olympic, um, by the same company. Um, it's all by the same company. But that's just because we don't have a lot of photos of what the interior would have looked like on the Titanic. So they just based it off of the closest thing we've got. But
1: did I ever tell you that the Titanic and Olympic had another sister ship and it was called the Gigantic?
0: are you serious yeah well
1: they changed the name i think after the titanic because i didn't want to like well yeah like okay maybe we need to come back and i forgot what they changed it to but it was called the gigantic <laughs> i think and i was like oh my god this
0: isn't oh this is- no oh that's so sad but uh going off the furnishing details one of the more memorable sets was the staircase um that they go down mm-hmm. to dinner across of and everything um that was modeled off the olympic as well okay. uh down to the carvings and the clock and stuff at the top and Okay, usually we don't share facts that we can't verify in one form or another, but I, so I watched the movie on Amazon, and it has a lot of, like, fun facts that pop up at the bottom, and there was this one fact that I loved that I, it was, like, from IMDb. It pops up, and I could not verify it. I searched so You couldn't find hard. that either. Okay. So, like, I could find other stuff that talked about the scale of the ship and just, like, how they adjusted it accordingly. I just couldn't find confirmation why. Yeah. So the staircase in the movie is slightly larger than the staircase that had been on the real ship, the real Olympia. And allegedly the reason for this was because people in 1912 were shorter than they are today. And as a result, they like intentionally scaled up the staircase to make the actors look smaller and like, I guess, seem more normal. <laughs> I wonder,
1: I wonder what they would have looked like on the like scale like, the staircase to scale, like, how much
0: bigger was right? it? Like, is it noticeable? Like, there has to have been a noticeable difference, yeah. or, like, a difference in height that was big enough. What I should have gone back was find the average height in, like, 1912 yeah. and just compared it, because if you're going to scale it...
1: Yeah, there has to be, like, a significant enough difference.
0: Because also what this means is that, like, in an alternate universe, there could have been a version of this film where Cameron just stuck to detail and made everything, according to original scale, and is everything small. is tiny! <laughs> and it's adorable
1: that's That's what i'm imagining it's like alice when she's like giant
0: and like the tiny house
1: and like the normal size house i'm like that's what i'm imagining it would have been if it was to scale oh my god it's just
0: a tiny titanic (laughs) that's amazing Um, anyway (laughs) going back to uh going back to the other set dressings that we see um including like different props, like suitcases, teacups, ashtrays, lamps, mailbags, everything. Everything was an exact replica. Mm-hmm. Uh, that actually includes one interesting prop. So the fateful scene at the end of the movie, when Jack and Rose are in the water and they're trying to find refuge and she gets on that that piece of, um, that wall panel? Or um, it's like a piece of debris that she's getting I thought on. it was a door, but I have no idea. Oh, well, the, the wall. Yeah, they're on a piece of wood. <laughs> the, the debris. Um that was so the piece of debris that they find, that was modeled after an actual fragment that was recovered from the wreck, um, which is now currently on display in the Maritime that's, Museum. That's interesting. That
1: is very interesting. Yeah.
0: Um, another interesting detail. So in the beginning when we see them loading the cars onto the ship, um, mm-hmm. I mean part of that is to show that everyone is traveling with all their stuff with them and how luxurious this trip is, but also to set it up yeah. um set up the scene later when Jack and Rose are in the car so that was based on an actual car that Cameron tried to find during his dives. He tried to reach William Carter's for the car, for for their car, car. for like that carriage for the car scene. Um, he tried to reach it with his ROV underwater, um, but debris blocked his attempt. Um, so instead they, uh, they ended up using historical documents, including Carter's insurance claim after the sinking. So they could faithfully recreate his car in, Every detail, down to the crystal crystal flower vases that you see in the passenger compartment, and also the the davits that were used to hold and lower the the lifeboats. They used 1912 era davits that were provided to production by the original manufacturers. Okay. um, Or davits using the original designs, and. That was so that the stunt crew could also familiarize themselves and practice when rehearsing the right. lifeboat scenes so they could figure out how they work and how to do it safely. Unlike the real... I was going
1: to say. Yeah. Oh <laughs>
0: they, they took more care in practicing and making sure that the stunts were safe than the actual people who were in charge of these lifeboats. I mean, I guess
1: you learn from your mistakes and
0: everything, but so literally... If you take the film, okay. if you take out the present-day scenes, the film, if you just take the flashback scenes, so everything that's actually like on yeah. the ship, the film would run two hours and 40 minutes, and that is the exact time it took for the Titanic to sink.
1: It's insane.
0: Like... I know. Like, the I mean, level honestly,
1: of... I'm like, Cameron, you could have <laughs> cut it a little bit. Like, we didn't need to... Retweet, we didn't need to feel like we were on the ship.
0: Narratively speaking, dragging it out that way really emphasizes, like, the slow burn of it, and also why people weren't, like, panicking at first and getting into yeah. the boats. It really, like, drags it out, and builds the dramatic tension in a very effective way so like on on that side of it like i i can understand on march 31st 1909 workers at harland and wolf uh who the, the shipyard where the titanic was from they began laying the keel for building the titanic at the start and exactly 88 years later to that day workers were dismantling the last bits of the replica of titanic made for the movie and scrapping her parts oh my god
1: that is um, um, Oh my god.
0: I know, it, and case, that's not even something that Cameron can plan. That's just like listeners you couldn't just...
1: tell. This film is ripe for um, tidbits. True. Yeah. Oh, for there's sure. So much there's trivia about so this film.
0: much movie trivia. And we only that I pulled in
1: the stuff that was like actually relevant tangentially, at least to the mm-hmm. historical accuracy
0: of the film. But there's a whole world of trivia about this. And everything we discussed so far, with like whether historical accuracy and the attention to detail, like I, I feel like it really pays off when you're watching it. I, I really liked this movie and I was just very impressed. Yeah, it's, by a, it's an um, impressive film. I really film. appreciated it. It's long but impressive. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, so to tie this into present day, did you see the, the headlines that I have to no. reference? No. Okay, so because we apparently don't learn anything, there is a Titanic 2 set to sail. In 2022, that is an exact replica of the oh, first
1: one. Oh my god! Is it flying? <laughs> is it sailing from like Southampton to New York? I I think it is. I think it's
0: the, it's the same. It's the same route.
1: Oh my god!
0: <laughs> it's by Blue Star Line. No,
1: White Star. Okay.
0: Yeah, it's like some Australian billionaire. Are they gonna
1: like recreate? It. Like, I'm like slightly terrified that this is all just like a money grab or something. Because, like, people will want to be on the ship, I guess, to be like, I'm on Titanic 2. And then what if it's all, like, this is totally going into conspiracy theory, but what if this mm-hmm. is all just, like, just, like, a ruse, and he's going to sink the ship, like, oh intentionally planning on, like,
0: replicating everything about the Titanic. Like a super and, like, villain like, sinking the ship somehow. <laughs> uh, or you know what he's going to do? He's going to re- replicate everything, but then when he gets to an iceberg, he's going to hit it head on to <laughs> that's, test the theory that's
1: exactly what and see doing, if though. it works. How many do they have enough lifeboats? Did they say whether they have enough lifeboats?
0: Oh, I should check, <laughs> shouldn't I? Like, that that should have, wait, that should have been number one. I mean, I would assume because regulations be now... Like... Right, but, regu- I mean, if regulations have changed and, like, if there's a new legal requirement, now, were... then I, I assume that they're yeah, not there going to more, really be, yeah. keep it... Right, exactly. They're not going to keep it exactly the same, so... So, the ship will carry almost exactly the same number of passengers, um, 2,400, and crew as the original. That's about 900. Um, but most importantly, okay. it will boast modern navigation, safety technology, and plenty of lifeboats. does it literally that literally say article. that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool. it, it says that in the USA Today article.
1: <laughs> yeah. And it's kind of also, like, I mean, we've been making a lot of jokes, but, like, at the expense of the movie, not the event itself. But it's kind right. of like I feel like it's kind of disrespectful to the people who
0: died. Yeah, it feels like I mean, it's in like, poor taste because it feels like it's a gimmick because of the movie phenomenon and forgetting. Yeah, it like forgets that it was a historical event. Where
1: fifteen hundred people died? Yeah.
0: Um, one of my favorite tidbits that I saved for the end. So there's a Titanic grave that's uh, or memorial that's near where you are actually. Okay. So there's someone buried in the cemetery um of titanic victims and there's a grave there labeled for someone named jay dawson and okay. uh, they said that a lot of people flocked to this especially or flocked to this after the movie to like give flowers and like and make mourn. offerings or like yes exactly to like make offerings for jack dawson but who is not this person um but
1: <laughs> not related to jack dawson but no. he can be and if they, you want him to be they... <laughs>
0: exactly
1: Having fun listening, please rate and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. It really helps.
0: You can also check out our website at realfictionpodcast.com, where we have a suggestion box if you have ideas for a future episode.
1: And just for staying through our little plug, you get to hear what's up next.
0: So at the end of each episode, we decided we're going to preview the next one with a bad movie summary. For example, the bad movie summary for Titanic would be a group of men think they cannot possibly be wrong.
1: And then the inevitable happens.
0: You get the idea. So our summary for the next movie is...
1: Fighting to the Death in Speedos.